When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Hey, MD Nation, your host, Dan Mater here. And before we get started, I want to let you know today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Be sure to reference this show when you sign up, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And now for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mader. Hello, MD Nation. And we're back for week two, the preview As promised, we are back streaming to you guys live on YouTube, on Twitter, Facebook, Sportscaster, and Twitch. Pretty much everywhere you would want to watch this stream because this is going to be the early week two preview show. We're talking about the Thursday night football game and all of the early Sunday games in today's show along with a mailbag segment at the end. Remember, if you ever want to get on that mailbag segment, all you have to do is is called the MD Nation Hotline, 609-362-2480. Or you can contact the show on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow or email us directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. And man, do we have a great show in store for you guys today. A lot of things to talk about, a lot of injuries from week one that we're going to have a lot of start-sit headaches. It's also the start of the season. We had our week one overreactions that we're going to talk about a little bit because we have a lot of trades that are actually in the mailbag segment in today's show. A lot of people already panicking and trying to trade away players and trying to get ahead of the curve. We're going to help you out and determine exactly what value you should be getting back for your players or what you possibly could be what you possibly could be targeting with some of your trade players as well. Remember, it's week two. Do not panic. We talked about this on Monday's show, the recap show. I talked about how because there was no preseason, because we had a shortened training camp, that there was a very good chance that we were going to wind up with 
more overreactions, more extreme overreactions for week one than we have in years past because this is the first time that we're getting quantitative data to be able to base what our value is for on our players after the draft. So a lot of people are going to overreact one way or another. The, the key is to stay even keel, not get too high, not get too low. Always use your brain, not your heart, and you will win more fantasy football leagues than you will not. That's what the MD Fantasy Football Show, Fantasy Football Show, can't talk, is here to help you do. So that's why we do this show. That's why we're here, and we're going to help you get through this and make sure you're not doing anything rash out of full emotion, either up or down from week one as we head into these week two matchups that we are going to talk about. So now that we got that out of the way, let's start off with our game tonight. And of course, we'll go through all the injury news as we go through some of these games. And of course, we still have tomorrow's show, which will be the late second half week two previews, if you want to say, which will be the after the late afternoon Sunday games, the Sunday night game, and the Monday night game, of course, for you guys. I want to make sure you're all up to date on the offseason news before we head uh, into the weekend. But first off, we have the Thursday night game, Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns. I think this is a typical game of why fantasy football, I think, matters, why fantasy football, I think, is important to the sport, because frankly, unless you're a Bengals fan, unless you're a Browns fan, I don't know how many people would actually be interested in watching this game if it was not for fantasy football. Uh, so this is this definitely one of those things that I think opens up the fan base and why we love fantasy football so much, because we could actually go ahead and watch the Thursday night game with interest. And we'll start it off with the Bengals side of the ball. Look, While Burrow did not have a great game statistically against the Chargers, that was a bad pass rush. I mean, a bad pass rush and a bad pass rush. You had to move. He was under duress the entire time. His offensive line is definitely still shaky, which we knew going into the season was going to be the case. But I thought he played well. He didn't flinch. He didn't crack under pressure. There's a couple throws, obviously, he'd like to have back. A.J. Green owners, I'm one of them. I talked him up a lot this offseason, how much of a steal I thought he was at the sixth round. So, I mean, with AJ, first and foremost, physically, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, physically, he looked great to me. Physically, he looked every bit of the AJ Green who could be a wide receiver one while he is healthy on the field that we hoped he would be when we drafted him in the sixth round or when we told people from MD Nation to draft him in the sixth round. So we felt great about that. But there was a couple throws. He should have had two touchdowns. I think the penalty was a crock, frankly, because while, yes, he extended the arm, there was barely any push there. And then two, the one throw, he was wide open all by himself in the end zone. It doesn't get any better than that, and Joe Burrow just fired it over his head by about 12 feet. So otherwise, A.J. Green would have had a much different stat line in week one. The Cleveland Browns do not have Greedy Williams in tonight's game again for the second week in a row. Denzel Ward does not scare me when it comes to A.J. Green, and they move, they move A.J. Green all around. Him and Tyler Boyd were flipping in and out as far as who was playing the slot, who was playing the perimeter on different formations to give different guys different mismatches. As long as that continues to be the case, A.J. Green's going to be fine as far as his mismatches go. He's not going to be paired up on any one particular corner. And even if he does get on war, it's not something I'm afraid of. The only thing I need to see happen tonight is that if he gets that wide open again, hopefully Joe Burrow doesn't miss him this time. That, that's going to be the key. That's going to be the question. Will you be able to hit him in stride? And I think he will. He'll get better from what happened against the Chargers. Remember, he was under a lot of duress. If he's not under that same kind of pressure today, if he gets a little bit more time to get set, to get in the rhythm, I think we might see a pretty good performance 
out of the Bengals offense overall in this matchup. Now, I'm not going to be streaming Joe Burrow in this game. That's not what I'm saying to you. But I do think it's he's definitely a quarterback worth stashing. He's somebody who I think as he gets rhythm, as he gets progression in the offense, as he gets used to the NFL, I think in a few weeks, maybe by the end of September, this is a guy who's going to be streaming in different matchups throughout the year. So I think he is somebody who is going to be playable. But as far as this week goes, he's my QB 24. I wouldn't play him this week. The Browns still have a pretty good pass rush, and it's on a shortened week, still his second game of the year. we got to wait and see it first, but I do think big things are ahead for him, even fantasy purpose-wise, later on this season. Joe Mixon, you got to start him. The only thing we're going to touch on with Joe Mixon is that I do think he's in for a better day-to-day than he was on Sunday. Cleveland Browns are a better matchup than the Chargers are. My only question going into this game is, are we going to continue to see what we saw last week? Is Gino Vanya Bernard, once again, going to be passing down back? I was furious. I've been a guy who's been big on Joe Mixon uh, breaking out this year, establishing himself as a superstar running back, being a guy that you could take with your later first round pick if you didn't get one of those top five guys. And what I saw last week really kind of concerned me. Now, I'm not hitting the panic button or anything to that nature, But it did concern me that it doesn't seem like Zach Taylor actually learned his lesson from a year ago that he said he learned. He said he learned that playing Joe Mixon as a three-down true workhorse back fits what he does best, helps his overall skill set because he gets stronger as the game goes on. And he's a great threat in the passing game. So Gina Valle-Bernard, who was somebody who was supposed to be on the roster bubble coming into this season, was not supposed to be a factor heading into this matchup. But he was. He was out there on third downs. He was the guy they went to when they were down and they were trying to come back late in that game. So that part kind of concerned me. The fact that he got five targets of Joe Mixon's one concerned me. We'll see if that continues to be the case. Joe Mixon is a very good pass catcher and they did wind up losing that game and didn't score a lot of points. So I do wonder if Zach Taylor would be like, all right, I try to go back to Gianni Bernard, try to get him involved. We got to get back to this is Joe Mixon's offense first until Joe Burrow gets going. It's not Joe Burrow's offense yet. It's just This should be Mixon's offense. And being that this is a better matchup against the Browns, we'll see what happens in this game. But that is something I'm going to keep my eye on. But you do have to play Joe Mixon. I still have him as my number 11 running back on the week for half-point PPR leagues. Now with A.J. Green, this is a guy, like I said, I think you've got to play him again this week. It's a good matchup. He looks good physically to me. He's my wide receiver 13 on the week. If Joe Burrow you know, doesn't fire at 12 feet over his head when he's wide open, I think there's a very good chance that A.J. Green can find the end zone today. And he's still the lead target. He's a guy who just has wide receiver one potential as long as he's on the field because physically he looked great. So A.J. Green, you're playing him too. I think there's more of a question whether or not you play Tyler Boyd. And I don't think Boyd is a must-start this week by any stretch of the means. But he's not somebody who I'm going to avoid in my lineup either. Uh with Tyler Boyd, you know he has to get some volume. And the key is that once Joe Burrow is actually up to the point where he's throwing the ball, let's say, 35-plus times a game, which I think will come later on this season, Tyler Boyd will have more will have more value. But they have to get that volume of that passing game up before you can really play him. So he's definitely not a must-play for me. Now, it's a decent matchup. And because of the wide receiver injuries this week, like we don't know if Kenny Galladay is going to play. He is not practicing again today. Uh, Michael Thomas is going to be out. We have a number of wide receivers. Courtland Sutton, we're still not 100% sure about him, even though he made an appearance to practice yesterday. We're still waiting to see what he does today. 
there's all these factors that kind of go in right now at the wide receiver position where you might not have a better option than Tyler Boyd. But if you do, I wouldn't necessarily play him this week because until their volume on their passing game is upticked, before, until it's averaging at least over 30 passes, closer to 35 a game, which I think it will at some point this season, Tyler Boyd is somebody who's going to have a low floor. That you And the whole point of his value coming into this year is that he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be somebody who has a high floor because no matter what, he plays the slot mostly. He gets open mostly. He's most the possession wide receiver. He's a safe guy to check it down to when A.J. Green's not open over the top. And it's not because A.J. Green's back, because usually he does very well with A.J. Green in the lineup. He actually has more production with A.J. Green in the lineup than without him. So it's not that factor. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So Tyler Boyd, if you have another option, go to it. If not, I could understand. Remember, if you are playing somebody in the Thursday night game, if you're playing a wide receiver, put them in the wide receiver spot. If you're playing a running back, put them in the running back spot. Don't put these guys in the flex. Especially with all these injuries that keep popping up in practice. I mean, we just had Jameson Crowder pop up with a hamstring injury yesterday during uh, practice. Today, he's not going to practice at all. These things happen all the time, and especially this year, where these guys really haven't had the time to stretch out properly getting ready for the regular season, they could get hurt in practice at any time at this point. So make sure they're in your positions, not in your flex in your lineups heading into this game. CJ Uzma, you're not playing him. John Ross, you're not playing him. So when you And there's no real injury news, thankfully, for the Bengals, one of the few teams. So we move on to the Cleveland Browns side of things. You can't play Baker Mayfield. I, I know this is a, a, a better matchup, but you can't, you can't play Baker Mayfield. I think everybody understands that. You can, however, play Chubb and Kareem Hunt in this game. I have these guys, I have both of these guys inside the top 24 in half point PPR leagues. I actually have both of them inside the 20, 19 and 20, respectively, actually. Nick Chubb, one slot ahead of Kareem Hunt. So if you missed that, if you missed you know, Monday's podcast when we recapped, or if you missed this game against the Baltimore Ravens, the way they started off was Nick Chubb was in on most of the snaps in the first half as far as when they were rushing the football or on first and second down. Kareem Hunt got mixed in more on the passing downs, which is pretty much what we expected. The question was going to be how much of each does the other one eat into? How much does Chubb eat into the passing work? How much does Kareem Hunt eat into the carries? By the second half, because they were down, Kareem Hunt actually dominated the snaps in the second half. That's why he wound up with more carries than Nick Chubb. That had more to do with game flow between the Browns and, and the Ravens and it was so lopsided than I think it did with what they actually want to do. But the impression that we got left with is that this might be more of a 50-50 split when it comes to the carries than we were initially anticipating. We were initially anticipating more of a 60-40 split in both the carries for Nick Chubb and then the 60-40 split for Kareem Hunt in the passing work. That's what we were expecting. So it would even out to be 50-50 in overall touches but that's what we were expecting in, in each category. It looked like it was 50-50 in the carries 
and then Kareem Hunt dominated the receiving yards. And we talked about this on Monday when we recapped the show. If that continues to be the case, well, then guess what? Kareem Hunt might wind up being the more valuable back moving forward. We're going to get a good indication in this game. I don't expect the Bengals to be able to blow out the Browns the way the Ravens did. That's first and foremost. And I expect the Browns to actually run the offense that they are built to run, that they are designed to run from the offseason, which is going to be running back centric around Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So I think we're going to get a good indication of where these guys are moving forward, and we'll have a better idea tomorrow because we're going to recap this game tomorrow. So we'll have a pretty good idea tomorrow heading into week three exactly where is Nick Chubb's value, where is Kareem Hunt's value moving forward. And I think you can play both of them in your lineups this week as RB2s. It's a good matchup. What do you do about OBJ and Jarvis Landry? Well, first and foremost, Jarvis Landry is going to play today because he was somebody who was in question because he wasn't practicing, but it was more because of the short week. Nobody seemed to be worried about his availability heading into this week to begin with. We all expected him to play. OBJ had a ton of targets against the Ravens. It didn't look good. Baker Mayfield didn't look good, and it was against the Baltimore Ravens, and they're not the Bengals. So OBJ comes in as my wide receiver 20 for the week. So I'm playing him as a wide receiver too. I kind of look at it more this way. If you can't play OBJ against the Bengals, who the hell can you play him against? That's going to be the question. Who can you play him against if you can't play him against the Bengals? So I would play OBJ in your lineups. If he has a great game, I would possibly think about selling high on him because Baker Mayfield doesn't look like he's improved at all. Part of it was the Ravens' defense. Part of it was him being under duress. Part of it is that his mechanics are terrible, and they have—they don't look like they've improved from last year. So if that's going to be the case, I don't know how much I want to have OBJ moving forward. So if he has a big... I play him in the lineup. If he has a big game this week, maybe you look to move on from OBJ. Maybe you look to sell high. But at the very least, if he's, in, if he's on your team, if you can't play him against the Bengals, who are you going to play him against? So he has to be in your lineups as a wide receiver too, at minimum. Jarvis Landry, I have him ranked a little bit lower because I was worried about the injury going into this game. I have him at wide receiver 40. I'm going to probably be moving him up my board now that I know for sure that he's active. Um, and just looking at it now, he'll probably wind up moving to wide receiver uh, 34 for me. So I'll put him right in that flex territory. So he's again, he's somebody you can play. We know he's going to be active. We talked about the injuries at the wide receiver position this week. I'm going to take the chance on him in my flex, especially in PPR leagues, because if OBJ, for some reason, doesn't have a good game, then you know Jarvis Landry get mixed in. He actually had the better game than OBJ, even though he didn't have as many targets last week, too. Uh, he's just still, at the end of the day, he's a trusted target to be able to move the chains for Baker Mayfield. So if you're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, you can play him as a flex play, depending on what your options are. But I do think there, because of his injury, because of the way Baker looked, I do think there might be more upside options this week, but he should have a solid floor for you. So he comes in at wide receiver 34 for me on the week. Uh, you can go ahead and plug him in. Now, Austin Hooper, there's no David Njoku. He's the one who stole the touchdown from him last week. He comes in as a low-end tight end one. He's Look, you're looking for a touchdown. Plain and simple, you are looking for a touchdown. You always have. You know what he can be. He actually comes in at a tight end 13 for me, so just outside 
the low end tight end one territory, high end tight end two and 12 man leagues, which is usually what we focus on. With no David Njoku, he does become the red zone target as far as a tight end position goes. So a touchdown against the Bengals is a decent possibility. If he is your tight end, I, you can go ahead and play him. But there are guys like Logan Thomas this week, Dallas Goddard, Janu Smith, TJ Hawkinson, who I do like more this week. So if those are options to you, I would play any one of those guys over Austin Hooper heading into this matchup. Just because with the Cleveland Browns right now, outside of the running backs, you kind of have to see it before you can believe it when it comes to this passing attack after week one. So that wraps up our preview going in for the Thursday night game. We can slide now into the Sunday games, the first of our Sunday games that we're going to talk about, which is the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears. Saquon Barkley should have a bounce back this week. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. He looked fast. He was bottled up. I warned everybody he was my RB14 for half-point PPR leagues coming into the week last week because I knew that offensive line was going to struggle against that Pittsburgh front. Too much pressure. That offensive line, we talked about that on Monday. They're, or talked about that on Tuesday, excuse me, because that was the Monday night game. They're going to get better. They have a lot of young pieces. They haven't had a lot of time to play get to, together. They have a lot of talent, though, in those young pieces. They are going to get better as this season wears on. And therefore, Saquon Barkley is going to have more and more rushing production as the season wears on. But I question exactly what they're going to be able to do in the beginning of the season. Now, I talked about I liked what Jason Garrett did from an offensive standpoint, going more up-tempo, trying to mix up some of the formations against the Steelers. He did a better job with those sort of things. This isn't as tough of a matchup. You just saw Adrian Peterson run for 96 yards against this team. So this is a game in which I think Saquon can get back to being Saquon. I still have him as RB6 heading into this week. That's because of some of the great matchups for some of the other running backs heading into this week because we do have some great matchups for some of the elite running backs that you drafted this week. But you should get a more of an RB1 performance out of him this week than you did on that Monday night game. Like I said, I was just worried about that. I knew passing the ball-wise, he was going to be okay, and that should have definitely been uh, something of relief, something of you know a good positive development moving forward because that was a question of mine. I talked about Daniel Jones. Was he going to check down to the running back as much as Eli did because he didn't really show an inclination to do that last year? He targeted Saquon Barkley quite a bit in that Pittsburgh game because, I mean, he was under duress, so he ejected ball down quite a bit to Barkley like he should in those situations. So I think you're okay there moving forward. Saquon Barkley you know, should have an RB1 performance. There are a lot of guys who have some good matchups, so I don't know if he finishes you know, in the top three like you're normally going to expect him to do this particular week, but he's going to give you more of an RB1 than an RB2 performance. So don't worry if you're a Saquon Barkley owner. Daniel Jones, you're not streaming him. You might not be streaming Daniel Jones till the end of the season. The Giants have a brutal schedule of, um, up until about week nine. They have a brutal schedule. He comes in as QB 21 for me for the week. You're not going to be streaming him in any category. Golden Tate, uh, I think he practiced in limited capacity yesterday, or it might have just been individual drills. There was some back and forth if it was actually an official practice or it did not practice. So we still don't know exactly what his availability is going to be. We're going to be keeping you up to date on that as long as you're following us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow. But if he misses again... Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard are plays to me. 
Now, as of right now, I have Golden Tate ranked in there just in case he does play. But first of all, Darius Slayton looked like he picked up right where he left off last year. That was a tough match against Pittsburgh. This is not going to be as good of a matchup or as tough of a matchup, I should say. He's somebody who can play as a home run threat. And I know he scored twice. So you don't usually want to chase points. But if Golden Tate is out again, well, then I think him and Sterling Shepard are going to split the targets at the very least again. And he actually outnotched Sterling Shepard last week. But Jones likes to take shots. And if they're going to be setting up the run and that power run game, they're going to keep giving Saquon Barkley the ball. Those play-action shots are going to be up for grabs. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. And while I think Chicago actually did a pretty good job last week of taking away Marvin Jones and taking away Detroit's deep ball game, I think Darius Slayton is more of a deep field threat than anything the Lions have when Kenny Galladay is not on the field. So I think that's, that's the big difference there. Now, they're not must-starts, or at least Darius Slayton's not a must-start for me. Sterling Shepard's not a must-start for me. But these are guys who should be worthy flex considerations, depending on what you have on your team. It's not a matchup that scares me in any kind of way. And like I said, with Darius Slayton, he's got the home run ability. So he's somebody I would contemplate in your flex territory. Along with Sterling Shepard, especially in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, I think Shepard's going to get more targets than he did against Pittsburgh. That was just a tough matchup for him. So I think he's looking at a, a more of a work share than what he got a week ago. Again, he's somebody else who you can play him as a wide receiver three or wide, uh, in your flex. Maybe as a wide receiver four if you're in three receiver leagues with a flex. He should have at least you know, four to five catches in the game. It's going to be a matter of what does he do with those four to five catches. But it should at least give him a floor in those scoring formats. Now, maybe in standard leagues, I would play Slayton and not really look so much at Sterling Shepard because he's the guy who has the better bet for the touchdown. But these are guys you can consider in that territory. Evan Ingram, if you got him, you got to play him. TJ Hawkinson had a pretty good game against Chicago. So that you have that boding well for you. Again, it was a tough match against Pittsburgh. I didn't have him as a tight end one. I don't really have him as a tight end one this week either. I had him at tight end 15. But I'm not going to drop him to stream another tight end. Especially not while he's healthy. And I think he should be looking at a better game this week than he did last week. He should be a guy who has a decent possibility of scoring in this matchup against Chicago as well. So I think you can go ahead. You can play him. He might be more of a top-end tight end, too, but if he scores, he'll be right in the tight end one category. I think he has a decent chance for that. So I'm not dropping him to play anybody else. And I doubt you're going to make the roster spot to make two tight ends. So we move on to Chicago. And on the Bears' side of the ball, this is a great matchup. 
right? Look, the Steelers didn't look sharp. Ben Roethlisberger is still knocking off the rust. His arm's not all the way back. They'll get better as they go, but I think it made the Giants' defense, especially in the first half, look better than what it really is. Benny Snell had a great game. I don't know if there's much of a difference between what Benny Snell is now and David Montgomery in their running style. Montgomery ran like a man pissed off, like a man who wanted to get downhill last week too. So I could see similar success, especially as they get down to the second half with David Montgomery against this Giants front. Now, this is not a team... In the first half, it's going to be a little ugly because the Giants do have Dexter Lawrence. They do have um, Leonard Williams. They do have guys who are pretty good against the run on that defensive front. But after a while, they get worn down because they can't stop the pass. So the question is going to be, can Mitchell Trubisky be competent enough in the first three quarters, not just waiting until the fourth quarter to do something, in the first three quarters for David Montgomery to get the lanes that he needs later on? I think so. I'm okay with David Montgomery hitting this matchup. Uh, Definitely not going to scare me away. I'm okay with playing him as an RB2. I have him ranked as RB21 coming into the week. Now, Tariq Cohen, I'm not touching Tariq Cohen right now. It looks very, very similar to last year where it doesn't really seem like he has a set role. He's not automatically in as a running back on passing downs. He's not getting utilized as a playmaker all over the field. So Tariq Cohen, again, might be somebody who winds up disappointing and just doesn't get utilized the way that we think that he could be in this offense. So I'm not playing Tariq Cohen if I can help it in this in this game. Allen Robinson? Yeah, this is going to be an Allen Robinson game. I'm telling you right. I know Anthony Miller had the bigger game last week, and technically this is a good matchup, so Anthony Miller could have a decent game again, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me by any stretch of the means. This is going to be an Allen Robinson week. All of the hoopla around Allen Robinson and the Bears, whether he asked for a trade, whether he didn't ask for a trade, or making it known that he's definitely at the very least upset about the contract situation, the Bears want to make it, you know, want to make sure that they know that he knows that they want him back. But he's like, hey, you got to pay me market value, which he definitely deserves. Have the talk with the coach, with Matt Nagy. We're not going to let this be a distraction. You know how you make it not a distraction? By featuring the hell out of Allen Robinson this week in a plus matchup against the New York Giants. That's how you make it not a distraction. That's how you make sure you squash all those questions about what's Allen Robinson's performance going to be like on the field. Like I keep saying, this is a great match against the New York Giants, especially for number one type of wide receivers. I have him at wide receiver 15 on the week. He very easily could move up because right now I have Crowder one spot ahead of him and Kevin Galladay a couple spots ahead of him. They may not play. So if they come out of the lineup, Allen Robinson could easily, easily wind up being my wide receiver 13 on the week. Easily. So that's going to be something to kind of keep in mind as well. Moving on. Atlanta Falcons and the Dallas Cowboys. This should be one of the shootouts of the week. So that that's first and foremost. I love I like Matt Ryan to be a QB1. Again, I have him at QB9 on the week. Dallas's defense is better than Seattle's defense, I believe, overall, especially in their front seven. But the main key here is that the Cowboys are gonna score. I think we're gonna they're they're gonna come out, they're gonna do to the Falcons, what they wanted to do against the Rams, and it just didn't work out that way. But everybody on everybody on Dallas is a mismatch for this Atlanta defense. 
It's in Dallas. There's going to be a lot of points. I think Matt Ryan's easily going to find himself in a situation similar to last week where he has to throw the ball all the time in the second half. So I do worry about what that could mean for Todd Gurley to some degree. But he is still going to be a guy who gets into the goal line situations. He's still going to be a guy who's going to be utilized in the red zone. I think we all know that from last week. Atlanta made it clear like, hey, we want to make sure teams know that if we need to, we can get physical this year. We can get into the red zone this year with our running back. So he's a threat to score any given week with this offense. The question for Todd Gurley is going to be, are you going to actually be involved in the passing game? I talked about this earlier in the week. That was the one point of concern that I have. The one thing, that reason why I've been so big on Todd Gurley and why I thought he could make a repeat performance to a low-end RB1 this year is because I'm counting on him actually being involved in the passing game, which is something he was not involved in with last year with the Rams. He should be involved with the Atlanta Falcons. That didn't happen last week. And it's a little concerning considering that they threw the ball 54 times. But then I look at it, Hayden Hurst didn't get involved either. I expect him to be pretty good throughout the year. He's another guy who, if you picked him up, if you drafted him, I still feel pretty good about playing him against Dallas because Vander Esch is going to be out for the next six to eight weeks. That's going to severely hinder Dallas's ability to cover the tight end position, which is something traditionally that they are good at taking away. This isn't going to be that same defense against the tight end position this week, though. So I still like Hayden Hurst have possibly for a touchdown. That's the other thing we're going to be watching. You know, what's is Russell Gage going to continue to be involved in the level that he was last week, or is this something that's kind of kind of going to go back and forth? between Gage and Hurst as far as who's involved over the middle of the field from week-to-week basis. And are we going to see Hurst get a red zone target this week? That's going to be the other question, too. But I think I think you can play all your Atlanta Falcons. Gurley, we still have him. We have him as RB12 this week, so a low-end RB1, high-end RB2, depending on if you're on 10, 12-man leagues. Hurst, we have him at tight end 14. So kind of tight end two area, but definitely with a touchdown potential to catapult himself in the top 10. There's no question about that. I mean, Julio's Julio. We have him as the number two receiver on the week. Calvin really is a top 10 receiver for us this week. And even Russell Gage, we have him coming in around the water, the wide receiver, low end wide receiver three territory, high end wide receiver four territory. I'm not going to play Russell Gage this week because again, I need to see it one more week before we really buy into Russell Gage being that significant part of this offense on a consistent basis. But it is something I'm going to have my eye on between him and Hayden Hurst. But I think you do have to play Hayden Hurst this week too. This is just an offense that I think they're going to find themselves in another situation where they're going to have to play in a shootout and they're going to have to throw the ball a ton and come back from behind. And then vice versa. I mean, not that you wouldn't be anyway, but I'm playing everybody on Dallas. Dak Prescott's my number two quarterback on the week. Ezekiel Elliott's my number one running back on the week. Amari Cooper is my number three receiver on the week. So I think the, uh, the only question is, do you play Darren Schultz as a tight end? I don't in redraft leagues. I need to see it. He's Darren Schultz is not Blake Jarwin. I don't know how much of an emphasis they're definitely going to have on getting him the ball. Remember, now they have C.D. Lamb. There's not going to be as much of an emphasis on Dak Prescott's part on the Dallas Cowboys spot to always throw the ball to the tight end in certain situations like there was in years past. And especially now that Blake Jarwin went out, I don't know if they're going to have a pressing need to like, we got to get Darren Schultz involved when you have all these other weapons. So I need to see it. Do I like Darren Schultz in DFS this week? 
Yes, I like him for tournament plays and stuff like that. And we're going to talk about that on Saturday night on the new DC's DFS show that airs on Twitter and on Facebook this Saturday night at 9.15 on Belly Up Fantasy Sports. Go ahead and check that out. But I don't know if I'm playing him in redraft leagues. Now, as far as Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb are concerned, I think you can play them both. As high end wide receiver threes, I actually have Michael Gallup ranked wide receiver twenty one, so I have him as a low end tight, uh, low end wide receiver two for twelve man leagues this week. CD Lamb, I have him in wide receiver forty six, but I do think that he has the upside potential to be a wide receiver three for you this week. So I think you can play him in the flex, depending on what your other options are. But Michael Gallup, somebody I'm definitely having in my lineup whether it's as my wide receiver three or as my wide receiver two, against Atlanta, more than Amari Cooper is going to eat. I know he led the targets far and away, but remember, Michael Gallup was the one who was seeing Jalen Ramsey more of the time because he was lined up on the outside. There's nobody in Atlanta's secondary that scares you. That's the whole point. So anybody on the Cowboys' offense could eat this week. That's why they're all possible plays, and I'm playing Gallup and for sure. CeeDee Lamb's the one where it depends on what options you have, but he's definitely somebody who's a flex territory for me too. Moving on to the Detroit and Green Bay game. This is another game that has shootout possibility. If Green Bay lets Aaron Rodgers continue to cook, and you know, everyone keeps using the Russell Wilson, let Russell Wilson cook. If Aaron Rodgers continues to, to cook, this is definitely going to be a shootout. This is definitely going to be an interesting because first of all, Detroit's defense is terrible to begin with. And then Desmond Trufant might not play this week. They had another injury in that secondary this week, too. I'm misplacing it off the top of my head. We're just getting some news. It's not really breaking news. So we're not going to hit the drop, but we're just getting some news now that Golden Tate did do individual work today. So that's a sign of the right development as far as the Giants game goes. We were talking about that a few minutes ago, just to give you a quick tidbit there. But back to the Detroit Green Bay game. I mean, Devontae Adams, he's our number one receiver on the week. Probably everybody else is too. He's going to be wide open every play. Rodgers looks like vintage Rodgers. He looks like the guy who has a chip on his shoulder. He looks like the guy who we were fearful we might all piss off because we were writing him off as being done. I mean, not not this show, but the media, fantasy experts in general, as the general media narrative going into this offseason this year. I did wonder about that. Now I'm wondering if my QB11 preseason ranking on Aaron Rodgers is going to wind up being far too low because he looks like Aaron Rodgers, who we used to rank in the top three at the position. This is another great match against Detroit. I mean, you got to play Rodgers this week. Have to. He is our QB three on the week, too, by the way. You have to play him. And you're going to play Devontae. You're going to play him. You're going to play Devontae Adams. You're going to play Aaron Jones. This is another great week for him. He very easily could have had a touchdown last week in his own right. There's nothing on Detroit that scares you. He comes in as our RB14 on the week. You can go ahead and you can hope for the best against him, too. There, I think there's a really good chance that he scores this week. Do you play Alan Lazard? Do you play Marquez Valdez-Scantling? I still value Lazard more than Scantling. He's still the number two receiver. He still played more snaps. He's still going to be the guy that more times than not, he'll get more targets, at least as of now. I mean, with Scantling having the training camp supposedly that he had with the trust that Aaron Rodgers does seem to have in him, at least for the moment, there maybe could be a chance at some point this season that Scantling does overtake Alan Lazard. But for now, Lazard is still that number two guy when it comes to the snap share. So if you're going to play one or the other, I still favor Lazard. 
And this is a great matchup. I mean, I have to think that you possibly have better options, but maybe you don't. And in this matchup, if you you know if you have a Jameson Crowder and and you had a Michael Thomas, which is possible, or you had a Michael a Cortland Sutton to go along with it, or you had a Kenny Galladay to go along with it, you might be in desperate straits at the wide receiver position. Al Lazar comes in as a borderline wide receiver three for us this week. So does Mark has about the Scantling. I have Al Lazar at wide receiver thirty six and Scantling at wide receiver thirty seven. So you can play them as wide receiver threes. You can play them as flex guys. Do I expect the the you know do I expect the Packers to put up forty three points again and you know Rogers score four touchdowns again? Maybe not, but it's definitely within the realm of possibility against this defense as well. So I, somebody else besides Vontae Adams is going to have a good game this week. My money is on Lazard, but only slightly. It does seem like Scantling has carved out a deep threat field role for himself as the wide receiver three in that offense. So he could be more of a home run hit or miss than Lazard is heading into this week. But you can contemplate them there depending on what your options are. The person I'm staying away from, the only person I'm staying away from still is Jay Sternberger because it still looks like the tight end's not really part of this offense. So we're going to have to wait and see on that. But that's the only person I'm staying away from as far as the Green Bay Packers side of things go. On the Detroit side, we talked about it. Kenny Galladay still didn't practice today. I would not be optimistic about his chances of being available this week. As a result of that, Marvin Jones should be a must-play for you. I say that reluctantly because I moved him way up the board last week when we found out Kenny Galladay was going to go down because my thought process was if Marvin Jones was going to get 8-10 to 10 targets against the Chicago Bears, who traditionally he does pretty well against as the lead receiver for Matthew Stafford, especially as the lead red zone receiver, I thought there was a pretty good chance that he could actually crack the top 12. That didn't wind up happening. He did get the eight targets, but only five catches, 55 yards. If you give him eight to 10 targets again this week against the Green Bay Packers, there's still a pretty good chance he's going to score a touchdown. Uh, Adam Thielen had a big game against them last week. If they get aggressive, you know, the Packers defense isn't, isn't bad, but also is not a matchup that should scare you away either. So Marvin Jones comes in as a wide receiver 19. He's definitely a guy who I would play in my lineups if you have him. But maybe we would contemplate on whether or not, you know, we just want to, he's not going to be a guy who I think has wide receiver one potential like I thought maybe he had going into last week. We kind of have to see the Lions offense just look completely out of sync outside of Adrian Peterson, quite frankly. Now that brings us to the next point. What do you do about the running back situation? I'm not playing a Detroit Lions running back with confidence. Could they have a good game? Yeah, they could. I thought the Packers' defense actually played pretty well against Dalvin Cook and the Vikings' rushing attack. Now, part of that was their offense got up by a few scores, so the Vikings couldn't just hold on to running the ball all game long like they normally would. And yes, Dalvin Cook still scored two touchdowns, but he only got 50 yards. So I think you take that and you combine that with who the hell knows what the rotation's going to be this week. Now that Adrian Peterson's kind of asserted himself as a number three guy, What's DeAndre Swift's playing time going to be after that egregious drop last week? I'm hoping, and it shouldn't go down any, but you do have to question that following the next week exactly where is his confidence going to be at, even if he's not missing playing time on the field. We talked about Carrion Johnson. Carrion Johnson's a drop, and we talked about that last week. I don't think there's any reason to have Carrion Johnson on the field, or in your lineups, I should say. So if you have to play somebody... I guess I'm leaning towards Adrian Peterson, but ideally you're not playing any of the Detroit running backs. 
Danny Amendola is somebody who annoyingly has possible low-end flex floor in full-point PPR leagues this week against the Green Bay Packers, especially if there's going to be no Kenny Galladay. You know, the targets will probably be split up amongst Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola. He is healthy at the moment. Again, I say that begrudgingly because it's Danny Amendola. He very easily could get hurt in the first quarter in this week's game, and nobody would blink an eye or be surprised by that. So I don't want to play him. But again, wide receivers such dire straits heading into week two, you might be looking for options, especially in your flex position. And I'm not looking at him in half-point PPR leagues. I'm not looking at him in standard leagues. But if you're in a full-point PPR league, the targets with no Kenny Galladay being available could give him a decent floor in a decent matchup because the Green Bay Packers, the one thing they don't have in that secondary is a decent slot corner. And this could be a high-volume passing game for Detroit. Hawkinson's a top 10 tight end for us this week. He had, I mean, he had a good game last week. He looks better than he did uh, a year ago. We talked about how we were looking, you know, where exactly were you going to be at as far as that ankle injury goes. He looks fine. He looks fine to me. So TJ Hawkins, fire him up. He's our tight end seven this week. Before we get into the next slate of games, I do want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of the show called Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Use promo code BELLYUP when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today. All right, so we get into the next slate of games that we have to talk about, and that starts off with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. On the Jaguars' side of the ball, the only person we're playing, with confidence at least, is DJ Chark. Yes, I'm not streaming Gardner Minshew. The Tennessee defense is a better defense than the Colts are. And that was just, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a fluke thing that happened last week. Look, the Colts defense, they completely miscommunicated on two touchdowns that Gardner Minshew threw. He didn't even go for 200 yards in that game. So if he doesn't get the three touchdowns, he's not even a thought fantasy-wise. And two of them were because of blown coverages. So I'm not ready to be like, oh, look, I'm riding the Gardner Minshew train. He's a competent quarterback. He went 19 for 20 and threw five yards of pass. Who cares? That's the point. DJ Chark will have more targets ahead. He's a guy I'm going to continue to play as a wide receiver two of sorts who has the big play potential, big play capability. He comes in at wide receiver 30 for us for this particular week. But he's somebody we're playing this week in our lineups. Outside of that, with, with James Robinson, it has become interesting He's somebody who definitely was on our waiver wire report. Definitely somebody you should pick up. I don't think this is a great matchup for him. And we still need to see what happens when the Jaguars get into the game script that we expect them to be in most of the season. We expect them to be in comeback mode most of the season. We didn't get to see that last week, so we don't know exactly what is the split between Robinson and Chris Thompson when it gets into those situations, when it gets into the passing game. I mean, there's only three targets total. Two targets went to Thompson. One target went to Robinson last week. But we don't exactly know what that situation is going to play out to be. So I think we'll get a first taste of it by the fourth quarter in this week's game. And then we'll be able to make a judgment, a judgment decision on that moving forward. We do know Robinson's going to get the bulk of the carries. That, that became clear. Nobody else carried the ball except for James Robinson. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria and I'm Mike and we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com/teamready. And he looked like a competent running back. I, he did. He looked like a competent running back. Tennessee's run defense is going to be a little bit better than what they saw against the Colts, but he looked like a competent running back. But if he's not going to be as involved in the passing game when they're trailing, then he has to score a touchdown for him to be a guy that you actually want to play. And I'm not ready to play a Jacksonville Jaguar running back who's more touchdown dependent to crack RB2 territory on that offense I don't think is going to score many touchdowns. Or many goal line goal line touchdowns. I gotta see him one more week. But he is somebody who should be on your team, stashed away. If he has a decent week this week against Tennessee, then we'll start to talk about him as more of a real flex possibility. And there wasn't as many injuries to the running back position. I mean, we had Le'Veon Bell, but there wasn't as many injuries to the running back position as there was to the wide receiver position this t- past week. So he shouldn't be as in dire straits as you are at the wide receivers, possibly. Now, Robinson's right around that borderline flex territory for us this week. He comes in at RB 37 and a half point PPR leagues. But he should have better options that you can go to, I would think, for one more week. And then, like I said, if he gets 16 to 18 carries again, gets about 70 yards, we'll start to talk about him more as a week-to-week flex play moving forward. But we got to see it one more week against a better defense that actually communicates a, better, a more well-coached defense against Tennessee Titans. We got to see if, it's, if it was just a fluke last week. That's what we got to see. On the Titans side of the ball, obviously play Derrick Henry. He's one of the reasons why Saquon comes out number six for us because Derrick Henry's number three this week. I think it's a great matchup. He's going to kill Jacksonville. He normally does anyway. And I think Jacksonville's defense played a little bit over their head last week too. Ryan Tannehill comes in as QB 10, so he's a streamer for us this week. I liked what I saw last week. Look, Derrick Henry still ran the ball 31 times and Ryan Tannehill threw the ball 42 times. I expect him to control the ball, control time of possession again this week too, just like they did against Denver. And he didn't run around that much. I expect him to run around a little bit more against Jacksonville. So I like Ryan Tannehill as one of the top streaming quarterbacks coming in for the week in this matchup, which means I also like A.J. Brown. Now, he was limited in practice yesterday with a knee issue. But we do expect him to be fine for the game. It wasn't anything to be concerned about. The one that we are looking at, we'll be looking at for later on today in that uh, injury report is Corey Davis, who we all know is the big lead guy on the day for the receivers, of course, out of nowhere, killing my A.J. Brown ranking. But he did not practice on Wednesday, listed with a hamstring issue. Now, it's hard to tell if he truly has a hamstring issue or if they gave him the day off. Because they, li- they either limited or gave almost everybody in their starting offense a day off 
and they just played on Monday. So it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't be rushing everybody back to play Wednesday necessarily. So we'll get a better idea today. If he still doesn't practice again today, then we know for sure that it is definitely a real issue. And that may open up the door even more so for A.J. Brown if there's no Corey Davis on the field on top of it. I mean, looking it up now, we, we have A.J. Brown at wide receiver 16. He'll move up to, pretty, to being pretty close, if not in the wide receiver 12 spot, if Corey Davis cannot go, because that will just secure his volume. And then Janu Smith. We have Janu Smith as a top 10 tight end this week. We have him at tight end 8. He scored last week. He was in on almost every snap. We were big on him as a sleeper tight end coming into this week, and we like the matchup. So he's somebody who definitely I think you should be playing in your lineups this week. Moving on, we got the Minnesota Vikings, we got the Indianapolis Colts. This is going to be the game of, okay, whose defense made the proper adjustments heading into week two? Because both played horrible in week one. That's, that, that's going to be what this game is going to be about. Obviously, Dalvin Cook comes in as RB1. He's our RB7 on the week, just one spot behind Saquon Barkley. But He's going to easily find the end zone. Could find it twice again this week. It wouldn't surprise us. He should have a, a more, have a better day rushing the football, more yards in his future. Kirk Cousins is even somebody who wound up being a little bit higher ranked for us than he normally would be, wound up a QB 15. I mean, we watched the Colts defense against Gardner Minshew break down in communication. Cousins is better than Minshew. I would say Adam Thielen's a better wide receiver than DJ Chark. Like I said, it's going to be a question of did they make the prosper adjustments going into week two? Did they clean that up? I wouldn't be super excited to play Kirk Cousins because this, again, is a game where I could very easily see Minnesota just controlling the ball with the running game. And last week, even though they were down by multiple scores, Cousins still only wound up throwing the ball 25 times last week. So if he doesn't hit Adam Thielen on two big strikes, he would have had next to no fantasy value a week ago against the Packers when they were getting blown out and they had, and you would think they would have had to throw the ball more. Now they barely had the ball at all in that game. As they had more attributed to that than they were just still running the ball even though they were down. I don't expect that I don't expect them to be trailing that much to the Colts this week. But if they control the ball, what's to stop him from only throwing the ball about 25 times again this week? That's why I'm not big on this Minnesota passing game. It's going to be very hit or miss because the volume is just not always going to be there if things go the way they want them to. Adam Thielen, you fire him up. Justin Jefferson's not a thing yet. That was clear, that was clear to me last week. Justin Jefferson is not a thing yet. So Adam Thielen, you know, even if they only throw the ball 25 times could be seeing half of that himself. I've had to turn around on, on Adam Thielen a little bit. I still question him as a high-end wide receiver two finishing on the year because, again, like I said, this Minnesota passing game is just something that I don't trust because of the volume. But if Justin Jefferson's not going to be a thing anytime soon, that definitely changes my tune on what I think Adam Thielen is week to week. I don't think he's going to be a bust like I had talked about before. Remember, fantasy football is remaining fluid. My reasoning was I thought Justin Jefferson would be a thing come week one and that they would be splitting what's already going to be low-volume passing in the first place, and I thought it would kill both of their fantasy values to some degree. If Justin Jefferson's not going to be a thing, 
well, then that just opens it up for Adam Thielen to, to dominate the targets at the very least. So he comes in at wide receiver seven for us this week, and it should be a good matchup. I'm not playing anybody else in the Minnesota Vikings. On the Colts side of the ball, Marlon Mack's gone. Jonathan Taylor, hello. Welcome. Well, like again, Jonathan Taylor, like I said, if you ignored my advice, you took him in round three, he's going to pay off earlier for you than he, he was going to. Because in my mind, I thought there was no way that this guy is worth a third round pick in a situation that is clear to me it was going to be a three-man committee. And that was the case until Marlon Mack got hurt. Go back and watch the tape last week. I watched this game again last night. Marlon Mack was dominating until he got hurt. Taylor was only getting sprinkled in. And then Naeem Hines was clearly the third down man. It was clearly, as, as far as involvement goes, was the number two back behind Marlon Mack, not Jonathan Taylor. So it was shaping up to be everything that I had warned MD Nation about. But then Marlon Mack goes down with the Achilles injury. So now, it doesn't matter. Now, if you took Jonathan Taylor in the third round, you made the right decision. I mean, Marlon Mack's durability was always a factor as far as Jonathan Taylor was concerned this season. I just didn't think it'd be week one. I don't think anybody thought it would be week one. So I'm going to be proven to be wrong on that one, but that one I don't think... I don't think I was actually wrong as so much as circumstances was just bad luck. We'll just put, we'll put it that way. That's the story I'm going to tell myself anyway. But the point remains, Jonathan Taylor's a must-play from here on out. And we actually have him inside the top 10 in this match against the Minnesota Vikings. Like I said last week, one of the things that I didn't take in consideration when it came to Adam Thielen's ranking was Minnesota's defense not being able to be a top 10 defense this year. Maybe not even They might not even be a top 15 defense this year. With no Daniil Hunter, no Everson Griffin, they already had a secondary that was going to be questionable on the perimeter anyway. This I don't know how good of a defense they're going to be this year. I don't. I think they'll get better because it's Mike Zimmer and he finds a way usually to make the most out of what he has, especially as the season progresses. But this is not going to be a defense that you're going to be fearful of at any point this season, I don't believe. Jonathan Taylor should have a pretty good matchup with that offensive line against the trenches of Minnesota this week. So we have him as a top 10 guy, even if he's not very involved with Naeem Hines in the passing game. We still have him as a top 10 guy. The interesting part, oh, I guess I should say this too. Naeem Hines is a guy that we think you can play as a flex, maybe even a low-end RB2 if you need a replacement for Bell, replacement for Connor, and you didn't get Benny Snell. You know, any number of those guys. I think he can be a low-end RB2, a high-end flex play for you this week. We have him ranked right at RB24. So right there at the low-end RB2 spot for 12-man leagues or high flex spot. But he, he is somebody who can definitely be in your lineups this week. The wide receiver situation, I like Paris Campbell a lot this week. I talked about this in the show in the recap. If this is going to be Philip Rivers' offense, which it looked like it's going to be after week one, that's what the play calling reminded me of then Paris Campbell, not T.Y. Hilton, might be the Keenan Allen of this offense. T.Y. Hilton might be relegated to the Mike Williams of this offense, which tells me I'm probably going to be right on T.Y. Hilton being one of my best wide receivers this year because Phillip Rivers has no arm left. Can we all agree on that now? For some of the Phillip Rivers people out there, like, oh, he's definitely improving over Jacoby Reset. He can still do it. He just had a terrible offensive line. Yeah, he's on his way to another 20 interception year. He's on his way to looking like he's completely done again. 
His arm looked dead. He threw for 360 yards out of necessity, out of pure volume against a bad Jacksonville Jaguar defense. Paris Campbell, though, with nine targets was definitely somebody who I like moving forward quite a bit. And he's somebody who I think is going to make an interesting splash this season. He was somebody who was on the waiver wire report. I think you picked up Paris Campbell. There's a real chance that for half point, full point PPR leagues, especially you picked up a high volume wide receiver two for the year. Quite possibly. So I think I'm not rushing to play Paris Campbell exactly this week, but I do have him at wide receiver 24. I would like to see it again before I become fully confident. But this is a week where I think he's going to have high volume again, especially playing the slot receiver position with Phil Rivers. And it's a good matchup. So I think you can play Paris Campbell this week with confidence. If you have T.Y. Hilton, you'll play him again this year too. I do have him still ranked ahead of Paris Campbell for now. I have him at wide receiver 17 for this week just because, again, of the matchup and the volume of the passing game I think the Chargers will be. And he could have had a touchdown last week, which would, would definitely would have helped his fantasy line. So I have him at wide receiver 17 for this week, but it might not be long before I have Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton switching spots on a week-to-week basis as far as the rankings go. And not playing Jack Doyle. They did try to give him a red zone look. Um, or he actually, I shouldn't say they tried to. They did, get, they did get him a touchdown last week. But Minnesota, the one thing they do have, they have good linebackers still. They have a good safety play still. So taking away the middle of the field, taking away the tight end specifically, is something that they can still do to a good degree. The perimeter, the wide receivers, the running game, that's what's going to be wide open to the Colts this week. Moving on. Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. We'll start on the Bills side of the ball. Obviously, you're going to play Josh Allen, especially after the week he had last week. I think you're still playing with fire as far as the passing game goes. He was still not accurate last week, but... With his legs against the Dolphins, he's a top ten quarterback. He comes with QB seven for us this week. I don't. I don't think there can be really any argument one way or another on that one. The question really becomes: What do you do with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss against Miami Dolphins? Because this should be a plus matchup for them. It should be. But can you trust either one of them? If it's truly going to be a fifty-fifty split, and the Bills are going to be turning the offense over to Josh Allen which is what it kind of looked like last week. Can you really trust to play either one of them in the flex? Neither one of them become must plays for us. I think you can play them in the flex if you're in a pinch because it's not a bad matchup. They are going to get the ball. I do think Buffalo should at least be looking to run the ball a little bit more than what they did a week ago. I thought it showed... I thought the, I thought the fact that the Jets were able to work their way back into that game proved that you shouldn't be as aggressive as you were. I mean, the Bills were dominant. The Bills were up by three touchdowns. The Jets actually worked their way back into that game because the Bills never decided to try to just close the game out with a running game. They kept throwing the ball. So I think that may open... I think they may get more volume than what they did a week ago, which puts them in the flex territory against Miami, but not must plays if you have other options that you like more. Devin Singletary, we have an RB25. Zach Moss, we have him at RB34 for the week. 
the wide receiver situation. John Brown did practice today. So that was a bit of a question mark yesterday. He didn't practice. He did practice today. It was a limited capacity, but it does sound like he's going to be good to go come Sunday. So I don't think I have much to worry about there. As far as Stephon Diggs goes, look, I like Miami secondary. I do. Um, and I think for the most part, they played pretty well against the Patriots, too. And it wasn't like Julian Edelman or Nikhil Harry had big days on the day. But they also were playing a team that wasn't looking to throw the ball a whole lot, either. I will say this, if they continue to have, have Josh Allen throw the ball plus 40 times, and that's going to be their new offense, well, even with him being inaccurate, like I said last week, if you throw enough darts at dartboard, one of them is going to hit the bullseye. And that comes that's pretty much kind of the philosophy I have with Stephon Diggs heading into this matchup. So it's actually going to be a tougher secondary than what they faced against the Jets, but I think the volume might still be there because of what we saw. So he comes in at wide receiver 22 for me on the week. You're not playing John Brown. You're not playing Cole Beasley. I know John Brown looked like he was the 1B to Stephon Diggs' 1A. That's something I need to play. Like That's something I need to see continue. I need to see the volume, the passing game continue before I really trust that. Plus, he's a little banged up. You probably have better options than John Brown, I would imagine, this week. But Diggs is definitely a, a wide receiver, too, for us on the week. On the Dolphins side of the ball, Jordan Howard, we have to wait and see. We'll see if he practices today. So make sure you follow us on Twitter, at BellyUpMDFFShow. Devontae Parker was limited yesterday. He only did individual drills. It sounds like that's all he's going to do again today. We are not optimistic on Devontae Parker being able to suit up for this Sunday. Even though they came out and said, that, well, he didn't have a big setback last week, and they're opening up the door for him because he was feeling much better. But based on what we've seen out of practice, how limited he has looked to this point, we are not counting on Devontae Parker being able to play this week. So that means added volume, most likely, for Preston Williams, who when once Parker officially cannot go, will move up in our rankings um, to probably the low-end wide receiver three territory. It's still not a good matchup with Buffalo. I don't love Preston Williams' matchup against Javius White. Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like the Ryan Fitzpatrick that we actually know which is not a good quarterback, forces a lot of things, especially against good defenses. They're going to give him a hard time. We're going to pick the ball off a lot. I love Buffalo's defense against the Dolphins this week. I'll definitely tell you that much. If you find yourself in a situation where Devontae Parker winds up being out in this game, I think Preston Williams gets enough volume to be a high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three territory, somebody you can possibly contemplate in your flex. But like I said, I just don't love the matchup with him against Travis White. So even if he gets a ton of targets, he still might not have a great game. He still has a low floor coming into this matchup. So he's still not a must-play for me. I don't know if there's a Dolphin that is a must-play for me. Mike Isicki's in a, a mid-level tight end two territory for us. More towards the low end tight end one. Again, I don't know how well Miami's offense is going to play this week. And we still need to see what happens. If Jordan Howard doesn't go... What's the deal with Matt Breida and Miles Gaskin? Why is Miles Gaskin a thing? You traded Matt for Matt Breida to bring him in. I assumed to be in a one-two punch with Jordan Howard. Howard goes down. Gaskin took over. What's the deal there? Matt Breida is definitely the most talented running back. He might be the most talented playmaker you have on your team if Devontae Parker can't go on Sunday. So I don't know if you can touch this Dolphins backfield outside of Jordan Howard, maybe as a flex if he's able to come back healthy this week. But even then, like I said with the matchup, he's going to have a low floor too. I don't know if there's a Dolphins player that you can really play this week. 
even if Parker comes back, I don't know if I would want to play Parker because I'm worried about the hamstring issue and the matchup. So we're going to move on to the 49ers and Jets. And this is going to take two seconds because I don't know how much fantasy value is going to be in this game. You can't play Jimmy G. He doesn't have any weapons. George Kittle, even if he does play, he's probably not going to practice all week. And if he does play, we know he's going to be limited. He was, he was limited in that Cardinals game when he came back from that injury. He always has the possibility to fall into the end zone. He still comes in as a tight end five for us because of that and because it's the Jets. So he could fall into the end zone twice even if he does nothing else. So, But Garoppolo's not a streaming quarterback. He should be a streaming quarterback as the Jets. He's not. Brandon Ayuk did practice in full yesterday. He's no longer listed on the injury report, so that's the good news. He becomes somebody who I think is interesting as a deep league flyer or di- interesting as a DFS play because you saw against against the Cardinals last week, they are so desperate at wide receiver that he could step in to double-digit targets this week just out of necessity. How efficient he'll be, how productive he'll be off of that is, is anyone's guess. But because it is the Jets' offense, if he does look at double-digit targets, he might wind up with a pretty good game. And like I said, just I normally wouldn't put that on a rookie making his debut. But just out of default of how pathetic that wide receiver team is or the pass catcher weapons in general that they have, it just, like I said, it just might become out of necessity. So he's somebody who I'm going to think about in those deeper leagues. Most 10, 12 team leagues, though, I'm not going to play him, but he is somebody who might be a stash for me if you have the ability to do so on, on, late, on the back end of your benches. The only must play is Raheem Mostert. That's the only must play in this game. Not even Jerry McKinnon. Jerry McKinnon played a little, quite a bit last week, but that was also because of the air quality. Tevin Coleman was possibly not even going to be active. So I expect this week, being that this game is in New York and away from San Francisco, I expect Tevin Coleman to play a bit more than he did last week. So we're going to see exactly what the rotation is for now between Tevin Coleman and, J- and Jerry McKinnon in this game. But you're not going to play either one of them. You play Raheem Mostert, and that's it. Well, you play, and you play George Kittle too, but I, you have to temper your expectations. On the Jets' side of the ball, Jamison Crowder pops up on the injury report late yesterday. Apparently, he sustained a hamstring issue in practice. He's not going to practice today. So with that development, we're not optimistic he's going to be available on Sunday. So that's going to drastically change our rankings. Because he was somebody, half point, full point PPR leagues, we have him as a top 15 receiver coming in on the day. Just because of the pure volume, guaranteed double-digit targets if he was going to play. And with the 49ers missing Richard Sherman... And being that their secondary in general didn't look very impressive against Arizona, Witherspoon's in concussion protocol, it was a secondary that was actually going to be vulnerable. So that's a big hit because he was somebody who was going to be a, a big value play for us this week. And now we really don't think he's going to play on Sunday. There is no. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts specializes in keeping your car on the road. Not sure how much life is left in your battery? Our professional parts people will test it for free. If it does need to be replaced, we'll help you find just the right one to fit your car. Our superstar batteries are built to handle even the toughest conditions. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Just wide receiver worth playing against San Francisco 49ers. Even with a banged up secondary, even with James Crowder out, yep, the volume has to go somewhere. It doesn't mean a damn thing with the receivers they have. Brashad Perryman and Chris Hogan, they ain't playing them. Pathetic. Pathetic. The one guy who might have to move up our rankings now with the news that Crowder might not play and was already kind of a, a deep sleeper for us to begin with because of the target shares, Chris Herndon. Now, as of right now, we have him at tight end 22, but if we get the confirmation that Crowder's not going to play, he's probably going to catapult possibly into the top 12 or at least close to that territory for us because he could genuinely be looking at double-digit targets this week. Still don't love the matchup because the 49ers have the safeties and the linebackers kind of take the tight end position away, but he might have to turn into their glorified wide receiver this week. And he'll be a red zone threat if, you know, if, if the Jets can manage to get into the red zone. I don't know. I don't know how much points they're going to score. But he's definitely going to be worth a stream. He's definitely going to be worth a guy in DFS because the volume's got to go somewhere and he might be their best pass-catching weapon. He might be their best weapon on offense if Crowder can't go. So that's the only if as far as that goes. Before we move on to our last slate of games for today's show, I do want to talk to you guys about Trophy Smack. Commemorate your league winner in the best possible way. At Trophy Smack creates trophies, belts, and rings with free engraving and shipping that now you can get a free ring with the purchase of a trophy or belt if you use the promo code BELLYUP. And I butchered the hell out of that live read. <laughs> butchered the hell out of that live read. But Trophy Smack, one of our great sponsors of the show. We love Trophy Smack. Anybody who plays fantasy football should know about Trophy Smack. Great quality items. Always makes Fantasy Leagues fun. Always makes it fun for the champion, especially to be able to hold that bad boy up over your friends for the year. So that'll be my little extra tidbit, my little extra time to trophy smack for that one. All right, so moving on, we got the Los Angeles Rams. We got the Philadelphia Eagles. Can the Eagles bounce back? I think that's going to be the question mark of the week. Miles Sanders did practice in full. He's going to be good to go for this week. Carson Wentz. Not a must-play for us this week. He's a must-play in this sense. If you drafted him to be your QB1, I don't think you necessarily want to take him out of your lineup after one bad week. But the Rams' defense played pretty well against that vaunted Cowboy offense. And they're still lacking weapons as far as the wide receivers are concerned with no Alshon Jeffrey. And that offensive line is a train wreck. Although Lane Johnson may be back this week, so that might help things out a bit. Having Miles Sanders will help out a bit too because they might actually be able to run the ball. But Carson Wentz is somebody who becomes not a must-play for us this week. Not something I thought I would say. So kind of alter, you know, see what your options are. You're definitely not dropping Carson Wentz. Let's, let's make that clear right now. Do not drop Carson Wentz. But if there's a Ryan Tannehill, if there's a Ben Roethlisberger might want to go in a different direction this week. That, that's a possibility for us. As far as Miles Sanders go, he's healthy. 
He put, like I said, he practiced in full. It looks like he's back from the hamstring issue, and they need him. After last week, it proved that they need him to be their offensive guy, to be their main weapon until Alshon comes back, until they get going again, until they get back in sync, until that offensive line's ready to go. They need Miles Sanders. He's going to be looking at a ton of volume. I have him as RB13 on the week in half-point PBR leagues. So you're going to be fine as long as he's good to go. Sean Jackson, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward. That's going to be the starting three receivers. None of them are must plays. None of them are must plays. Greg Ward's the only one who's going to have the mismatch because he's playing the slot receiver. Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, I think are going to take turns as far as who sees Ramsey's. But after what they were able to do to the Dallas defense, especially the perimeter wide receiver, I'm there's no way I'm playing Deshaun Jackson or Jalen Rager this week. No way. Do they still have the home run threat capability? Sure. I'm not going to feel comfortable about playing them this week. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, I'm playing both. I have them both as tight end ones for the week. I have Goddard at number 10. I have Ertz at number three. I think the volume is just going to continue to go to the tight ends. I think Ertz will have a better game than he did last week. But the volume is going to continue to go to the tight ends. They're going to continue to be the main red zone threats. I think you continue to play them as two top 10 guys. But that, them and Miles Sanders are the only thing I trust as far as the Eagles go. On the Rams side of the ball... If you have to play a running back, you play Malcolm Brown, but I actually don't want to play a Rams running back this week. It's a bad match against the Philadelphia Eagles. I think I don't think there is a set. I, Malcolm Brown's a set guy as far as the goal line goes, but I don't think there is a set role as far as who is supposed to get the most of the carries, the, the bulk of the carries. I think that's purely, it's purely a game flow thing. It's purely a hot hand approach. So I don't think that I don't think you can trust definitely that Malcolm Brown will get more carries than Cam Akers in any given week or, or vice versa. And like I said last week, we didn't get to see Daryl Henderson be involved. So what if he's more involved this week? What's that going to mean? So I'm kind of staying, and plus it's a bad matchup. So I'm staying away from the backfield of the Rams. Jared Goff's not really a streamer for us this week either. Remember, this Eagles defense is a lot better now, especially that they have Darius Slay, which leads to Robert Woods. If you have Robert Woods, you probably don't have a better option. So you probably have to play Robert Woods. But I don't love the matchup because he is going to see Darius Slay more than Cooper Cup is. And because Cooper Cup was not featured last week, I think there's a very good chance he's featured this week. He's actually ranked ahead of Robert Woods for us for this week. He's going to have the better matchup. He's not going to be the one who has to see Darius Slay most of the game. So we have him coming in at wide receiver 29. We have Robert Woods at wide receiver 31 for this particular week. But I think you have to play both. Higby... He's a middling tight end too, more of a streamer territory for us this week. I'm not panicking on him. If you drafted him to be your sleeper, you could play him. But again, this is not a great match against the Eagles. They are pretty good against the tight end position. So I wouldn't, you know, they did let up the touchdown to Logan Thomas last week. Then again, with Washington, you know, other than Logan Thomas, who else is really a red zone threat, quote unquote, for them? Rams have some other options they can go to. I think Mark, I think. Tyler Higby is fine as a streaming tight end. But he does not he's not a must play. Moving on to the Denver Broncos, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So on the Broncos side, Colton Sutton did practice in a limited capacity yesterday. So that's the good news. So that means he's on the right track to possibly come back this week. The bad news is that it's a horrible match against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So even if he does come back, it's not like we love his upside. He comes in at wide receiver 28 for us on the week. But I don't know if you're going to have a better option. 
I'm not playing Jerry Judy. There is some talk about KJ Hamler actually maybe being active this week. He came back in practice with Cortland Sutton yesterday. We weren't expecting KJ Hamler to at least week three, week four. It sounds like there's a decent possibility he comes back. Now, we're not playing it for fantasy purposes, but it does make it interesting that this could be a, a, a much different, a, I should say, a, a more different looking offense than what we saw last week with the Denver Broncos are concerned. If KJ Hamler comes back, they might actually have a full plethora of receiving weapons. Now, Philip Lindsay's definitely going to miss this week. They keep saying questionable, but we can't see him coming back on a shortened week on turf toe. So Melvin Gordon's going to get all the work. So we do like Melvin Gordon's volume as an RB2 this week, even though it's a bad matchup. So it's going to be interesting to see just with all the weapons back. Will we play Cortland Sutton? And outside of that, I don't know if anybody else is a must-play. Noah Fant comes in at tight end 12 for us. But if Cortland Sutton's back, if KJ Hamler's back against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he wouldn't be a must-play for me either. Do you have a better option than Noah Fant? Probably not. But he's not a must-play for us either in this game. So outside of Melvin Gordon and Cortland Sutton, if he plays... I don't know who else in the Broncos is a must-play. And the Steelers' defense just takes away a lot of options for teams, especially when your quarterback's Drew Locke and you can't really trust the consistency from your quarterback either. And that plays a big role in this too. On the Steelers' side of the ball, we are waiting to see on James Conner. We'll see if he practices today. We'll see if he practices Friday. There's talk, though, that even if he does play, Benny Snell might still have a role because of how good he looked on Monday night. That backfield of Steelers just became really a, a really ugly situation. A really ugly situation. And I don't know if you can trust any one player as a result of that. I mean, Tomlin has stood steadfast on that if Connor's healthy, he's still the guy. But after that game on Monday, I don't know how Benny Snell doesn't get more work. I don't know how you can just keep him on the bench, even if Connor's out there. So we're going to see, we're going to, and either way, it's not really a great matchup for either one because now that the Broncos have Jarrell Casey, who's a great run stuffer in the middle, and what, uh, Banner for Steelers is going to be out for the rest of the year, or, or Ranner, excuse me, uh, Steelers offensive line, the one thing we definitely saw is that Steelers offensive line is not very good still against the Giants. We saw that. Not very good, especially against the run, especially for opening up holes. Benny Snell did so well because he was he was so quick to the hole. He's explosive. He's powerful enough. He can make his own hole. That offense line being not very good is going to be very susceptible against the defenses like the Denver Broncos this year, who should be pretty good against the run overall. I mean, they did a good job against Derrick Henry. I know he still wound up getting 100 yards on the day, but he was less than four yards to carry, and they kept him out of the end zone. And that was Derrick Henry, and it was I was on 31 carries. It took high volume for him to get over that 100 yard threshold. So I don't love the matchup for any of the Steelers running backs heading into this game. As far as Juju Smith-Schuster, you fire him up. I love the matchup for them, though. A.J. Boye's out. They're, they have pretty much a, a rookie secondary almost all the way around, except for Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons as their safeties. Schuster looked, Schuster looked like he was so happy to have Ben Robesberger back on Monday night. It was, so, it was so obvious how happy he was. And he didn't even get the majority of the targets. That was Deontay Johnson. Schuster comes in as our wide receiver for this week, though. I don't, I don't see a scenario that he doesn't score. I, I really, truly believe that. I think he's one of the more lock, surefire wide receivers this week that I expect to wind up in the end zone. 
And then even Deontay Johnson is somebody that we expect to have a good game too because he continues to get the volume that he saw in this matchup. He's going to have a much better game than he did against the Giants. So Deontay Johnson comes in as a solid wide receiver three for us this week at, at wide receiver 39. He should be higher than that, actually. Now I'm looking at it. There's actually a lot of good wide receivers this week, so maybe not. But he should be somebody you can play as a wide receiver three as a flex guy uh, and have a high floor going into this matchup. Next up, you got the Carolina Panthers. You got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's defense impressed me. I know the Saints wound up putting up 34 points, but that's because they have some great players. Todd Bowles and that Tampa Bay defense impressed me. And I think it might be a little too much to handle for Teddy Bridgewater and what is clearly still a pretty bad Carolina offensive line. I mean, they, they didn't open up many holes. Christian McCaffrey's just that good. Bridgewater was under some pressure, and the Raiders' defensive line is not even in the same stratosphere as that front seven of Tampa Bay, especially with the way Todd Bowles blitzes. I don't really, I mean, outside Christian McCaffrey, I don't really love any of the Panthers' options. Now, Robbie Anderson is a, a, you know, a flex consideration, um, but I don't love the matchup for his big play capability the way I did last week heading into this week as much. I still believe you can attack Tampa Bay on the perimeter. I just question if Teddy Bridgewater is going to have enough time to actually throw the ball deep. DJ Moore still has to come in as a low-end wide receiver too, but he's more of a borderline high-end wide receiver three for us this particular week. You saw last week what happens when he doesn't get the majority of the targets. If you're not going to score, you're not going to get the overwhelming majority of the work. That's why he was a wide receiver bust for me heading into this week. I think you still got to play him as your wide receiver three if he's on your team, but I'm tempering my expectations. Curtis Samuel's not a thought. Ian Thomas is not a thought. Christian McCaffrey is our number five running back. This is the one team that held Christian McCaffrey in check last year. And they're they're more healthy this year, I think, than any point that they were last year. And they're buying more into Todd Bowles in the second year. McCaffrey, I'll give you a twist. McCaffrey's still an RB1. We still have him number five, like I said, but... Does he finish at the? Do we have the confidence that he's definitely going to finish number one at the position overall this week? No, not really. Bridgewater's not a streaming option for us this week. I this I think this might be one of the lower scoring games because I don't know if Tampa Tampa Bay's offense has great matchups across the board when it comes to Carolina Panthers defense. Obviously, they could put up a bunch of points, but they just look so out of sync. Now, part of that is the Saints' defense is a very good defense and. This is kind of like the you know the Browns tonight going from the Ravens to the Bengals. That's kind of a similar situation with the Buccaneers doing going from the Saints to the Carolina Panthers as far as the huge difference in defensive talent that they have to face. So Brady could have a bounce back game. Chris Godwin's in concussion protocol, so we don't we're not going to know whether he's going to play or not probably until Saturday. We might get some kind of indication tomorrow in practice if he's able to get through the next few steps of the concussion protocol. But he's somebody we're going to have to watch throughout the week. I will say I do love Mike Evans this week. I do love his potential. And if Chris Godwin can't go, he's going to probably catapult into a wide receiver one territory for us this week if that winds up being the case. Because while he's coming off that hamstring issue, and I know people are concerned about that, he still played in 93% of the snaps last week. They still were able to throw the ball deep to him a couple times. And physically, he looked okay. He didn't really look hindered on those deep routes against Marshawn Lattimore. This is a great matchup. They talked about all week, pretty much how Mike Evans, that they need to get Mike Evans involved more. 
that's gonna it's gonna be pretty easy to do that against Carolina. So I, I think Mike Evans is in line for a big week this week. He has wide receiver one potential going into this week, without a doubt in my mind. As far as you know, the running back situation goes, Ronald Jones is somebody you can play as a flex. He's still the lead back. This is a great matchup. I think he's a flex guy with possibly low end RB2 potential. Leonard Fournette's role, I expect, will continue to grow each week. But it's not his job yet. That much is clear. So I think Ronald Jones can be a flex territory. Tight end position, we still got to see how that plays out. Gronk didn't play a lot last week. And I I had to admit, he didn't look particularly great on a couple of catches that we saw him either. OJ Howard scored, but he wasn't heavily involved in the game overall as far as the pass targets go. So we kind of have to wait and see this tight end situation play itself out on Tampa Bay before we can really play anyone with confidence heading into this matchup. So like I said, it's Mike Evans. If Kirk Cosman goes, obviously you play Chris Godwin. And I think you're fine to play Tom Brady this week. So you should have a bounce back week. As long as he has Mike Evans out there, I believe he'll finish as a top 10 quarterback. We have him as QB 80 for the week. That wraps up the previews for today's show. We're going to dive into the mailbag segment and then close this one out. So first up, we have Niners fan 415 from Twitter asked us, drop Brandon Cooks for Russell Gage question mark. So I put this question on there because I thought this was a great example of a week one overreaction. Brandon Cooks was not healthy against the Kansas City Chiefs. So it wasn't that he was not a part of this offense or that Will Fuller's clear cut the number one receiver to him being the number two. He wasn't healthy. And I know that most people, including us, are not going to have Brandon Cooks in our starting lineups this week against Baltimore. But you don't drop Brandon Cooks for Russell Gage on one good week out of Russell Gage. This is still a wide receiver who has to prove it before we can trust it. It was one week. This is a guy who we do believe is going to be splitting production with Hayden Hurst for the most part throughout the season. Brandon Cooks is still going to be on a high-volume passing offense, and he's still a very good wide receiver who up until last year had 1,000 yards every single year. Now, is there a possibility that Russell Gage has a better game this week again than Brandon Cooks? It's possible, but that's why I wanted to bring this question up to the forefront. If you are actually facing this dilemma in your mind, put it out of your mind now. Brandon Cooks is by far the superior player with a better path to way more volume for the rest of this season. Questions like this are a typical overreaction to week one. Stay even. Wiley's question from Facebook. As says, half point PPR, AJ pick one, AJ Green, Hollywood Brown, or James Robinson this week. So we would go AJ Green here, but only slightly over Hollywood Brown. Because uh, we I mean, we love Marquise Brown against the Houston Texans, but we're going AJ Green because, like I said, this is a guy who easily could have had two touchdowns last week. I think it's a good matchup against Cleveland. I think you're going to see Joe Burrow actually hit him when he's open this time. And he's healthy, and physically he looks like every bit of the superstar wide receiver that we've known A.J. Green to be when he's on the field. So we would go A.J. Green this week, but followed closely by Marquise Brown. Those are some good options for you. James Robinson, like I said, he still has to prove it on a week-to-week basis. If he does it again this week where he looks pretty good again, he's somebody who's going to be more of a flex territory, but he doesn't have anywhere near the upside of the other two wide receivers. 
Duncan from email, our first email question. Remember, email is actually probably the best way to directly contact me. You can always do that. MDSFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Duncan asked me, trade Dak and Sony Michelle for Joe Burrow and Jonathan Taylor. This is an interesting question. Another uh, a trade question that we wanted to get to. Some, you know, some trades are already happening after week one. Now, we love Dak. Dak came into the season. He was a top three quarterback for us this week. So he has a lot of value. But with Marlon Mack gone, Jonathan Taylor is looking at a position where he should be a high-end RB2, if not a low-end RB1 for the season. He is the new Melvin Gorgon to Naeem Hines as being the new Austin Eckler. Except he's more explosive than Melvin Gordon. So those RB2 performances that Melvin Gordon would consistently churn out could have more upside potential with Jonathan Taylor. So I do think Jonathan Taylor can finish as a low-end RB1, high-end RB2, even with Naeem Hines getting the bulk of the passing down work and being as involved as we expect him to be. It's harder to find a running back of that caliber than it is to find a quarterback to play week to week. And we like, like I said, we like Joe Burrow later on in the season. Now, we wouldn't play him necessarily early on. I think you would have to be in a situation that you would have to be okay with streaming quarterbacks until you're confident to be able to play Burrow on a week-to-week basis if you trade away Dak. But Jonathan Taylor is a huge upgrade over Sony Michelle. We still... Look, even if Sony Michelle does better with Cam Newton at the quarterback position and this new offense that they are running, we still don't know exactly what's going to happen when Damian Harris comes back off of IR. So that's the other thing you have to take in consideration here. So that's a trade I might do. That's a trade that I might do because getting Jonathan Taylor, getting that high-end RB2, low-end RB1 is much more difficult to acquire than it is a decent quarterback to play on a week-to-week basis. So we would probably do that deal, Duncan. That's going to wrap up today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys are able to win your, or not win, but get off to a good start in Thursday Night Football. Remember, go ahead and check out our rankings on bellyupfantasysports.com. You can always listen to this podcast on every one of your favorite podcast apps. And on Thursdays and Fridays, you can watch the stream on YouTube, Sportscaster, Twitter, Facebook, and now newly on Twitch. We'll be back tomorrow with the Thursday night football recap and the late week two game previews. Everybody stay healthy, have fun, and everyone enjoy the game tonight. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 